Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. Humility. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get right into the word of God this morning. So let's do so at this time. Father, we do thank you for this wonderful morning you've given us. What a joy it has been to wake up and to, to know that our faculties are all together and our eyes can see and our legs can walk, our hands could feel and our ears could hear. Such a wonderful thing to know that uh, you have kept us through the night and you are with us this morning. You said in your word, Father, that, um, that every morning your mercies are new to us. So we thank you for the mercies that have been new to us this morning. You've kept us free from sickness and disease. We claim your promises in Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. And forget not all your benefits, for you have forgiven us of all of our iniquities. You've healed us from all of our diseases. You've crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies. You have saved our lives from destruction, and we're so grateful to you for it. And you've given us your angels to encamp round about us, to keep us in all of our ways, lest we even dash our foot against the stone. And you also said, Father, in your word, that your angels wax stronger as they hear the commandments of the Lord coming forth out of our own mouths. So we bless you for all of the provisions you've given us. We know that you will indeed take us to the other side, and we bless you for it all. Thank you for thinking through my mind this morning, speaking through my lips, words that will edify, exhort, comfort, and provoke change in the lives of each and every person here under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've talked about humility, and we're going to go in there. I think we're going to be here for at least uh, two more Sundays, or at least one more Sunday, this Sunday and the next Sunday. And we talk about the power of humility, and humility is, is really like a, it's kind of like, if you can use this term, it's a springboard. It, if we choose to be humble by the grace of God, it's a springboard to all kinds of uh, facets of new life and new living in the kingdom of God. And strength and power and might and abundance comes from this place called humility. But if we choose not, then we end up living in a very barren place, a place which eventually will grow so far in lack that we have nothing. And so choose humility. It's the power of humility. And so we're going to exhaust this as much as we can. We said humble, to be humble, is an Arabic term which means to be contracted, to shrink, to become small, to decrease, to diminish, to reduce, to dwindle to decline, to shrivel, to be wrinkled, to fold wings. And most of us uh, would receive all of those terms as a negative. Shrink, become small, decrease, diminish, reduce, dwindle, decline, shrivel, wrinkled, to fold as in one's wings. We would see that as a, as a, as a, as a negative. But only until you see who fills in the space that we give up will you see it as a positive. When we humble ourselves and become small, God fills in. So we receive his grace. 
And God tells us his grace is sufficient for everything that we go through in life. And so when we understand that little piece right there, that I'm not giving up anything, I'm gaining a lot. The more I shrink, and we used this as an example last week, this is us before, this is us if we choose to live a humble life. We fold up, we shrink as it were, become very small, but when we do, God is like me to this piece of paper, far bigger, far greater, far stronger, far wiser. And we receive all of that when we choose to shrink up and allow God to fill in all the other space. We said uh, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 4 says, true humility and the fear of the Lord lead to riches honor and a long life. I don't know about anyone else, but I desire riches, honor, and a long life. But it says it comes by this. It also says in verse James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, and he gives grace, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why will the devil flee from us? Because he doesn't want it to have anything to do with God. He doesn't want anything to do with the one who pronounced his destruction, who kicked him out of the kingdom. He don't want to have anything to do with him. The Bible tells us of Jesus, I beheld Satan as lightning and fall from heaven. The devil trembles when he sees the, the Jesus. But if we choose to have him want to see us, then he doesn't tremble. <laughs> He's not afraid of us. We're no match for the devil without God. Did you hear what I said? We're no match for the devil without God. And we're going to see this in a profile that we're going to look at today. Today's message is going to be part two, and it will be called the, the, part two is going to be called, let me remember what I called it, the profile of an unhumble man, un-humble man. I know that's not good English. But when I put it in on the paper, when I just put unhumble, it didn't work. But un-humble works. The profile of an un-humble man. The profile of an un-humble man. So here's a few scriptures to lead into it. It says, pride leads to disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. That's Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 2. Pride leads to disgrace, but humility comes, but with humility comes wisdom. Now, last week we looked at all of the turnarounds, people who were in a bad position like Manasseh, Ahab, uh, we, uh, other kings, and how they turned around, how they solved the error of their ways, and they humbled themselves, they shrunk before God, and, and they were not disgraced. They could have been, their lives could have been, but God spared them because of their humility. Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice will, are wise. Pride leads to conflict, but those who take advice are wise. So these are the negative aspects of not un being, not being humble. Pride is the, the exact opposite of humility. Pride, because when we're prideful, what we're doing is we're blowing up. 
we're getting larger. We, 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 we stand our ground, as it were. We, we don't let anyone tell us anything other than what we want to hear. So pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. You know, the Bible says in the book of James, it says, why, why are there conflict? Why is there wars and fights among you? And it says, because we want it to have it upon ourselves. We want to heap it on ourselves. So conflict comes as a byproduct of pride. Someone doesn't want to give in. Someone doesn't want to shrink. Someone doesn't want to yield their thoughts, yield their opinions. And so it always will lead to conflict. You know, have you ever, have you ever tried to fight with someone who didn't want to fight? It's kind of hard to fight them, isn't it? It's, hard, it's kind of hard to give ground, isn't it? For, for to fight with someone who's not like this. But when, you, when we give ground, we say, all right, you know, no problem. Um, I have nothing to gain here. Let's let this ride. Also, pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. Proverbs 29, 23, pride ends in humility. So let me just say those three things again, the negative aspects of pride. Pride leads to disgrace. Pride leads to conflict. Pride ends in humiliation. Think about that. Disgrace, conflict, humiliation. Who wants that in their lives? Disgrace, conflict, humiliation. But everyone who will remain prideful will always end in one of these ditches. Pride, uh, disgrace, conflict, or humiliation. And, 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 and we never, you know, there are so many people who have thought, you know, I'm getting away with something. And then, shh, look, it always gets put, taken out to the, uh, to the media. Someone is found out. So humiliation, conflict, disgrace. So let's look at a guy that this person here. This guy is a model of someone I don't want to be like. This guy in the Bible, he scares me. Uh, he scares me from the standpoint, I, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want to be like him. I don't want to be like this guy. Even though I have seen tendencies, and I think there's a tendency in all of us to be like this guy. And when you see those tendencies, when you can model it out and find out what, his, what happened to this guy, you will, I think, will be like me. You won't want to be like this guy either. And when you see tendencies that are like him, you will quickly say, you know, I, I got to get, get God to take care of this. This guy's name is Saul. And many of you all know him. If you're unfamiliar with Saul, Saul was the first king of Israel. But Saul... Uh, just would, would not, could not, I say would not, get it together. So let's look at some of his story to see a profile of someone who you don't want to be like. So let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 17 and 18 and verse 21. It says, so when, Saul saw, so, so, so when Samuel saw Saul, when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? Am my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? 
Now, this is a good way of looking at where this person began. And really, in many cases, it's where we all began. We, we all began, I think, with a low estimation of ourselves. You know, when we're, when we're coming up, depending on how we grew up, where we grew up, what side of the railroad tracks we grew up in, and, and we have a, a somewhat of a low estimation of ourselves, as Saul did. Um, and so we, 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 we look at ourselves and we're like, you know, you know, I don't know about myself. I don't know if I can do this. You know, and, and so we're at that point, we're at a good place. At that point, we're, we're open to some things. And so Saul was at that place as well. Saul uh, had a low estimation of himself in his own strength. He said, my, my, my people, the Benjamites, we're, we're, we're the lowest. You know, we're the least of the tribes. We're the smallest tribe. You know, my, my own family within the low tribe of the Benjamites, we're kind of low. We're nothing significant. And, and so, but God chose him. And so here we find in, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 17 and 18, to give you, uh, uh, you know, I'm, let me move on. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 21 through 24, it says, When he had crushed the tribe of Benjamin, when he had crushed the, caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen, and Saul the son of Kish was chosen. But when they sought him, talking about Saul, he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is, hidden among the equipment. So they ran and brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from the shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all of the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That there is not no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. Long live the king. So this guy, in a matter of days, as a matter of hours, he went from a nobody to a somebody. But the nobody was still the nobody until the somebody put his anointing on him. He was still a nobody, but the somebody came in and said, you're going to be the king. And because you're the king, you now have a name. You're now someone. You're, you, you now have, you, you've become from insignificant to significant before all the people. And I can imagine him uh, in this lowly state, uh, thinking lowly of himself, and now hearing these words, long live the king, long live the king, long live the king. And all of us, when we begin to hear uh, things that, that really are, are really God's stuff on us and not ourselves. And, and, and that means our giftings. You know, if you are a singer, a musician, someone who plays, uh, uh, has a particular gift or a particular talent, um, you're still the nobody. <laughs> but God has put some things on you. God has put some stuff on us. And, and it's so easy for us many times to think that the thing that they're cheering for is the nobody. They're not cheering for the nobody. They are receiving the gifts. They are, they are enjoying the gifts. That's what they're attracted to. Saul was still a nobody until God did something to him. 
And they were not cheering for Saul because he was someone great. He was cheering for him because of God's anointing on him. And he mistaken that. He mistaken that to think that he, they're talking, could they be talking about me? Could, could, could that, that happen to me? And so that's what happens many times um, that, that many people will come in and they will think that they are their gift. They'll think that they're, 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 they're attributes. They'll think that they're the things that God put on them, but they're not. And if we don't separate the two, we will begin to envelop them into our lives. We will begin to put them and think there are, that they are us. And here's what happens. We've got these trees, uh, about three of them right now, we're going to have to cut down. And I, I, be, I started my little tour of duty to go out and begin to cut the vines around my trees. Because the vines were literally going up like snakes and choking the life out of these trees. Just choking them out. They're not even a part of the tree. They have nothing to do with the tree. They're just bloodsuckers. And they come up and they just all the way up to the top of the tree. And, and you see them. And, and, and I still remember this day, this man, maybe a decade or 10 years ago, he walks up the street. You know, he's up on the, up the, up on the upper uh, street of, of our home. And he says, you better cut those vines. They're going to kill your tree. And I was like, what do you know? They're pretty, these vines. And guess what I'm saying now? You better cut those vines or they're going to kill your tree. So now I got three trees. They still have two of them about dead, almost dried up, gone. One of them still has a little bit of life in it, but it's got to go too, because it's it's the vines all ripped it up. But I did do a job on some of them. I started to get my little axe out there and cut them down at the thing and knock them out, and, and truly they began to wither. I said all that to say this: is that the gift that is around us many times will become the poison in our life if we don't treat it strictly as a gift and not ourselves. Does that make sense? And so, so we got to make a clear separation. Nothing wrong with those. The vines are beautiful. I mean, when you see them later, and I'm sure the person who put those vines there, because they were, I think they, they were not, they were brought in. And, 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 they, and they covered the, 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 the they're, not, they're not poison. They're, they covered the ground and made it look good, but then they just take on a life of their own. They were there as a gift, but now they become a nightmare. Exactly. So anyway. This is kind of what happens to Saul. As we move on and let's look a little more of his story, because it's quite telling. Um, so, so everything in our lives, remember we said last week, there's nothing that we have that we did not receive. And we got to make sure that we make a distinction between that which has been given to us and who we are. Um, and we're not the things that, we've been, that have been given to us. So verse, uh, 1 Samuel chapter, um, chapter 11, verse 11 through 15, we see that, uh, that this thing is a progressive thing. And, and right now, Paul, and I won't read the full part of this, but I'll read some of it. Let's go ahead and read some of it. 
First Samuel 11, 11 through 15 says, So it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and killed Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is he who said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring them in that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Listen, notice, that's a good place, isn't it? Notice what he said. This is early on in him, so he hadn't, he hadn't, he hadn't drank the Kool-Aid yet. He says, Not a man shall put, be put to death this day, for today the Lord had, the who did? The Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. The Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. So now he's making a distinction between who's really doing the work. He said, the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. And Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Who did they rejoice in? They rejoiced in the Lord there. So that's to show you that all things are going to remain the same. At this point, had he remained right here, he would have still been Saul. He would have still been the most noted person in the kingdom. Just think about that. He, start, he was the first king of Israel, yet we herald him not. He has no name. His name is, has an asterisk beside it in history. Like, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Where really, the name that would have been heralded throughout the kingdom of Israel would have not been David. It would have been Saul. Saul would have been the name that we would have known. But it didn't turn out that way. He started out that way, but then he began to think about himself, and he began to attribute the things that were done to himself. And you'll see this now. You'll begin to go into that pattern. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 7. It said, and some, of the Hebrew, and some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan in the land of Gad of Gilead, as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. Now, a little, little um, uh, information before this. They had just been fighting. They had just been in battle. His son Jonathan had just been uh, fighting in a war, and they, they had some victory, but they were also wearied by this fighting. And so some of the men that were with uh, them, that, that was the, the climate there, is that they were, they were a little beat down at this time. Uh, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw the people, and when I saw the people were scattered from me, when I saw the people were scattered from me, that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, and then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Boy, you have done foolishly. 
You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord had commanded. Now, it doesn't seem like a big thing that he took matters in his own hand, that he burnt incense, that he offered up an offering. But that was not his job to do. And when we, when we get above ourselves or beyond ourselves and we think that it's really all about me now, that's a place of pride. He said, he said, the people are scattered. They're gone. What, what, what's going to happen to us now? Let, let me do something about it. Well, what he had forgotten is that you hadn't done anything about your situation to begin with. It's always been God who put you in position, who's given you victory, who's won the battles for you, who's done things for you. And now you think it's about you. So, so the big-headedness of it, the big-headedness of it is that we began to do things on our own and stop seeking the wisdom of God or what God has already said. We think that the, 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 the prideful person feels like I can get away with anything. That's pride. It'll be all right. I, remember, I'm George Logan. People like me. I can get away with this. You can add your own name in there. It's going to be all right because, I mean, come on. Uh, God knows me. Yes, he does know you. And he wants you to do things the way he has commanded you to do them. And to not be big in our own eyes that we can make decisions outside of him. That's what the bigness is. That, that's what pride is. That I can make decisions outside of God. That I can do my own thing. That's the epitome of bigness. Is I can do what I want to do. Well, it was an old country song, I think it was. I did it what? I did it my way. Well, you died too. And you're tormented too. No, we don't do it our way. If, you, if we do it our way, there is a price to be paid. There's a penalty that will be applied to anyone who chooses to do it their own way. And everyone will come to that realization one day. When you choose to do it your way, when you choose not to seek the wisdom of God, when you choose to not obey his commands, then there is a price to pay. You can't blame it on God. You can't blame it on anyone else. You've got to blame it on yourself. I choose to do it my way. I choose to do it my way. I choose to go that way. So and sometimes we want to get upset like he was doing. You know, the people were scattered. Where are they looking? No, you take responsibility. We make decisions. We hold ourselves accountable for the things that we have done and the things we have said. And everyone on the day of Jesus' return will have to answer to him, did you do it your way or did you do it my way? That is the question. Did you do it your way or did you do it my way? And you'll say, well, you know, I, I just thought, I just thought, I, I just thought I was, I just thought that I was the, the, the I mean, I, I mean, everybody's patting me on the back and everybody said, you're, no, did you do it your way or did you do it 
his way. This man lost it like sand in his hands. One day he was in, the next day he was out simply because he chose to get in front of God. Pride stepped in. He didn't humble himself. He didn't shrink. He didn't say, you know what, guys? It looks kind of bleak. But I ain't touching. I'm not doing no, I'm not, I'm not offering nothing. I'm not burning nothing because that's not my job. I'm staying right here until I get some commands from God. I'm not doing a thing. But he didn't do that. He got a little antsy. How many of us have done that? Got a little antsy. Got a little head of God. Well, that's what it looks like. Look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is a pretty long one, chapter 15, verses 1 through 15 and 17 through 24. It really lays it out really well here. Again, we're looking at a profile of an unhumble person. Samuel said to Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 15, chapter 15 and verse 1, excuse me. Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint the king over his people, over Israel. Now, that, let me, this just popped in my head. <laughs> How many of you have heard this before? How would a loving God send people to hell? Anyone ever heard that? How could God be so loving and put people in hell? Let me tell you something. God doesn't put no one to hell. People choose to go to hell. He does, they do. They're like, well, um, I'm going to go this way. I know you're telling me to go that way, but I'm choosing to go this way. That's what that looks like. Say what you want. Say what you want, oh God, how can a sweet, loving God, you know, no, 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 no. You can read the apologetics on that. I'm not here to teach apologetics right now, but I'm here to say that you, I, we make a choice. We make a choice. The Bible says God is, God is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. That is a distinct Choice, that is a, or either you go all those other ways or you go this way. There's a lot of other ways you can go, but all of those other ways are wide. They lead to destruction. But God says, this way, this way. Humble yourself and go this way. Well, that doesn't look like the way. <laughs> Just do what I'm telling you to do. That's what he's telling us. So, so Saul didn't get that message. So here it is. Let me get back to the story. Samuel said, also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek and what he did to Israel, how he um, ambushed him on the way when he came up to, from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but... but but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul uh, gathered the people together and numbered them in Talim, who 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. And then Saul said to the Kenites, go, depart. Get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. 
He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag. And Saul and all of the people spared Agag. Was that the command? No. He told him to do what? Utterly destroy everything. Everything. He told him to take care of everything. And so we get back here and says, and, the, and, and spared, uh, spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret. Hmm. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. You know, it doesn't say this, but I think he was given a second chance. Isn't that the nature of God? Didn't we see that last week? We saw it with Ahab, didn't we? I mean, he, he, he came to his senses. He humbled himself. We saw it with Manasseh. I think he was given an opportunity to change his mind, which is consistent with the nature of God. But this guy, and for, forgive me if you can't take this, he was hell-bent on doing it his way. <laughs> and he sure enough bent hell. He was hell-bent on doing it his way. And listen. It says, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he, he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. This dude had fallen in love with himself. He set up a monument to himself. He had gotten big in his own eyes. It almost makes you want to cry, doesn't it? It almost makes you want to just tear up for this guy who started out so lowly that became a fan, a fan of himself. Don't look into the mirror too long. Don't read your, your commentaries too long. Don't, don't judge yourself by the likes that you receive. Because you'll become a fan of yourself. And you'll make monuments to yourself. Then Samuel went to Saul. And Saul said to him, Blessed are you the Lord, of the, you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Deception. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears? And the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the, the people spared. Who's responsible? Saul was responsible. 
he should have, as soon as he saw, if, he, if the people did bring them, he should have like, listen, they're not, no further, stop it right at the door, slaughter everything. But he didn't do that. He was too big for his britches. And the people spared the best of the, the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest you have utterly destroyed. And then so this is, listen to what Samuel says. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the, the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. This dude just will not humble himself. I have utterly destroyed them, Amalekites, but the people took the plunder. Sheep and oxen, the best of the things, and they should have been utterly destroyed. So to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to, and to heed than the fat of rams. Now this is key right here. Listen to this. Because this is where, this is where pride leads us. When we don't humble ourselves, listen, he says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as the iniquity of idolatry. Now, witchcraft is basically the manipulation, demonic manipulation that comes along when we put self first. Witchcraft is the demonic manipulation that comes along in our life when we put self first. And you live in that long enough, not only will you be manipulated, but you will become a manipulator. This stuff's pretty deep today. I hope you're listening. This stuff's pretty deep. But listen to what the doorway of pride opens itself up to. Number one, witchcraft. Rebellion is as a sin of witch. In other words, you get manipulated and you become a manipulator through self. The demons manipulate you and you manipulate others because it's all about you. Secondly, he says, and stubbornness is the iniquity of idolatry. Now, what happens in idolatry is that there are demons associated with every single idol. There are demons associated with every single idol. That's why God says, do not worship any other thing beside me. Because he knows what's behind the idol. Why is it people can't get off of something? How do people get addicted to certain things? Is because of the demonic association to it. It's not strictly um, chemical or physical. It means it's, it's that there's demonic strands attached to it. And that's why 
That's why people can't get off of certain things. Manipulation and addiction. You think about that. Manipulation and addiction. Why do you think people who are addicted to certain things manipulate others to get it? Whatever that is. And I'm not just talking drugs. And I'm not just talking alcohol. I'm talking about anything that you're addicted to. What was uh, Saul addicted to? Saul was addicted to, pro- to, to, to um, people patting him on the back and saying, you're great. That's why he did the thing. He always wanted to shine in front of the people. He was addicted to approval. And because he was addicted to approval, there were also demonic attachments at all. And he began to be a manipulator. Let me, let me, let me finish up with this. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord your, your, and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, that sounds like humility, doesn't it? <laughs> it just sounds like it, because rascal didn't change. He just never changed. He just, had that been sincere... And not just, I got caught. Then God would have changed it right then. Can, can we last for a few more? How long have I been going? Okay, I'm, I'm going to go just a tad more to finish this profile out. Because it, it, it doesn't really get any better for the guy. Um, look at uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. A couple of scriptures there. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And listen, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Huh. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said to him, surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Listen to me. When we don't humble ourselves, a distressing spirit now has opportunity to come into our life. Why? Why are we angry? Why are we upset? Why are we driven so much? We don't realize it's because of a lack of humility many times. That the doorway has opened up for us to be, to, to, for the enemies of God to come into our lives because we have not, we have not sought humility. We have not sought to be humble. And he says when that happens, a distressing spirit, a distressing spirit from the Lord has come. In other words, a, a doorway has opened up. God has allowed this to happen because you resisted him. I want you to think about it. Just remember, think about when you've held on to something way too long. How does it make you feel? Think about it just for a minute. How does it make you feel when you've been angry with some, someone way beyond the point that you should? Or you have been in unforgiveness longer than you should. Or you've held bitterness against someone longer than you should. Or you stole something from someone and your conscience is now getting, and you're, you're open up to it. Or you lied to someone and you maintain that lie. You maintain that lie. Man, I, sometimes if you have children, you need to force them into telling the truth. I don't care what it takes. Dunk them up under the water. Keep them there for 30 seconds. <laughs> you better tell me the truth. 
How come? Because you don't want a distressing spirit to come into their lives where they begin to repeatedly tell lies. So you, for, you, you up the ante. You, 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 you force truth out. You force them to a place of humility. Put your hand on the Bible. Are you promised to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but truth? So, so, so you got. Remember, God's watching you. No. Don't allow them to get away with lies because it opens them up for a distressing spirit. Come clean quickly. You don't know what awaits you around the corner. The hounds of hell are there. The hounds of hell are seeking to get hold of you and cause all types of stress and dilemmas that will affect you mentally and physically. So come clean quickly. Don't stay out there. Don't, don't keep fighting against the truth. Listen to this last part here. So in this particular scripture, what happens afterwards is that Saul actually invites David, his his uh, uh, not predecessor, but his what is it, the one who follows him, successor, his successor in, and he kind of knows that of David. He kind of knows that this dude's going to take my job, and it troubles him because remember it's all about him now. And so he's brought in to play the music to get that distressing spirit because he's anointed to do so off of off of uh, Saul. But listen to what happens in the latter scriptures if we turn to the very last part. 1 Samuel 18 and verse 1, it says this. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read all of it. It talks about David and Jonathan and his relationship with Jonathan. And then it talks about Saul. Now listen to this. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines. Who are you slaughtering them for, David? My king, Saul. I'm, making, I'm putting that in there. All right? So he comes home from the slaughter of the Philistines and that the women had come out all of the cities of Israel singing and dancing and meeting King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Well, they, at least they acknowledged him. <laughs> they acknowledged him, but what did he hear? The same things we sometimes hear. Well, look, they, they looked at him, but they didn't say nothing about me. He was in a state of paranoia. He was paranoid about this, this rising king, and he hated him. Because what happens? Pride will always lead to envy, strife, Jealousy, anger, and eventually the desire to kill, murder. Now it happened as they came in, uh, David was returning from this slaughter of the Philistines that he had been slaughtering for King Saul, that the women had come out, all of the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with the tambourines and joy and musical instruments. A humble man would have said, man, I'm glad he's the one killing the 10,000. I'm not. This guy's fighting for me. 
So the women sang as they danced and, the, and said, Saul has slain his thousand and David his ten thousand. Then Saul was very angry because of the pride which led to envy, which led to jealousy, strife, uh, anger, and then this desire to kill. And, they, and the saying despised him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousand and me they have ascribed only a thousand now that what more can we, he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward, and it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside of the house, uh, inside of the house. So David played music with his hand as it as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the spear, and he said, "I will." Pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence, and he made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people, and David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. That's the tell, the profile of a person who just never sought to humble himself. Had he, I truly believe, had he simply walked, folded up, wrinkled, shriveled, had he just folded up before God, Maybe there would have been another king that would have been known throughout Israel as a great king. It could have been Saul. And even maybe you. You maybe should have, would have, could have been a certain person. Maybe you should have, could have left a legacy for your family. Maybe you would have, should have, could have done something great in your community. Maybe you would have, should have, could have did a whole lot of things. But you chose not to be humble. And because you chose not to be humble. The end of Saul was this. Is not only did it affect him, but it affected his whole household. Saul and all of his sons died in one day. In one day, they all died at war because this one man just would not surrender. He just would not become small. That's a tragic story, and your story doesn't have to be that way. That if you're hearing me today, that means that you have an opportunity to turn around and to be humble. And there's so much grace that will come to you if you just seek to be smaller. Seek not to try to do it all by yourself and allow God to come into your life. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you so much for loving us, loving your people. Loving us so much that you sent your only son, Jesus, so that we can make a, 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 a roundabout that we can turn and go in another direction, that we can repent, return back to the top, return back to your original plan and purpose for each one of us. But in order to do so, we must humble ourselves. And so I thank you, Father. Your word tells us that 
whom the sun lands on will be crushed. But whoever lands on the sun, that crushing, that breaking will lead to eternal life. So I pray this morning that there'll be those who will fall on that rock, fall on that stone and be crushed and become small that you may invade their space, come in and be their God and be their king and be their Lord. And even in our own lives, those of us who have already called upon the name of Jesus and you are our Lord, maybe there's some stubbornness in our own lives. Maybe there's some areas of our lives that we have yet to surrender over to you. Help us. Help us. We release right now. We release our desire to keep doing it our way. And we receive the grace of God to do it your way. If you're here under the sound of my voice and you say, Pastor Logan, I'm not saved. I'm not born again. And if I were to die today, I'm not certain where I would go. Well, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to make a real definitive change in your life that will cause forever and ever, ever for you to appreciate that one decision you made where you humble yourself and you accept Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah into your life. God loves you so much. And he didn't make hell for man. He made hell for the devils and demons that rebelled against him. It's not a place for you. And so I'm asking you this morning to humble yourself and to receive Jesus. To receive him into your life. Not a religious Jesus, but the real personage of Jesus. Not a church, not a facility, not a religion, but the real person of Jesus Christ. He's a real man's man. And any woman who would know him would want to follow him as well. And so I'm asking you to make that decision this morning. This may be the last time. This may be, you may not ever have an opportunity like this again because you don't know what the next minute will bring or the next hour will bring or the next day will bring, but you do have control of this minute. So if that's you out there looking at me through the lens of this camera and you say, Pastor, I, I want Jesus. I want Jesus right now. I'm humbling myself right now in my bedroom, in my living room, in my kitchen, or wherever you're watching this. I want Jesus right now. I want life to go well for me. Well, pray this prayer with me. Say these words. God in heaven, your word tells me that if I will confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Jesus Come into my life today. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I turn from my ways. I turn from wanting to do it my own way. And I turn to you now, Jesus. And I receive you as the master of my life. You can now tell me what to do and how to do it. And I thank you for everlasting life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, 
please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.